Welcome, everyone, to another Sunday edition of BAMS Radio. I'm Gertie Armand, and we're here to talk some Alabama football, of course, uh, some coaching staff movement uh, for the Crimson Tide, a big week this past week in Mobile, a lot of former Crimson Tide players uh, at the Senior Bowl, uh, Alabama basketball staying hot, got two more wins this weekend, including one in Red Stick on the road yesterday, 79-69. Also eviscerated the Vanderbilt Commodores at home, 101 to 44. So got a little hoops to talk, but especially football. Uh, this is a, yeah, a very interesting time of the year. Nick Saban going into year 17. We talked about a big reset that he's trying to accomplish. He's hired an offensive coordinator. Still got some work to do on the defensive side of the ball. So that'll pro- that'll be a, we'll uh, talk about that a little bit, and that's going to be another show down the road too. When those pieces are finally in place, interesting because during the second signing date this past February or February 1st on this past Wednesday, no movement for Alabama at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, and this is probably the first signing day I can remember all the pieces not being in, pl- in place for this coaching staff. So it's a very interesting time uh, for Alabama football as Nick Saban resets this organization and this football program. And we're going to talk about it today with my two cohorts, of course, in the Port City of Mobile. And he attended the Senior Bowl yesterday. Thomas the Wizard Watts keeps us on the air. Also gives us his thoughts and takes on Alabama football. And then from 89 to 93, a 92 national champion. And an insider with the Alabama football program, that is William Redfish Barger. Gentlemen, welcome. It's uh, great to speak with you guys again. A very interesting offensive coordinator hired by Nick Saban. Ryan Grubb, whether he was really offered or not, I have my doubts on that. I think it was kind of conveniently worded, but Ryan Grubb from Washington's name emerged. He did not take the job. There was no agreement. And then Nick Saban, you know, uh, decides to continue to interview folks. Tommy Rees from Notre Dame, a very interesting name, a very young coach, only 30 years old. Uh, But Nick Saban kind of going back to the future, maybe with the offensive philosophy here, but just to get your thoughts, guys, really quick, and welcome, William, your thoughts on Tommy Rees. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good hire. Um, you know, there's, you know, a lot of different takes. You could you could go down, you know, with it. I mean, I, I'll say this. Um, I, I, I do think when Brian Kelly, um, you know, was, was still at Notre Dame two years ago, you, you can kind of view – you know, whoever Brian Kelly's offensive coordinator is, um, is about to the same extent of whoever Nick Saban's defensive coordinator is. Because when you watch, you know, Notre Dame practice, and, and for those, you know, football fanatics out there, if they want some good, um, you know, off-season, you know, docu-series to watch, if you have Amazon Prime, um, they've got a series on there, I think, that came over from Showtime, and it's called A Season With. You know, there's one from Notre Dame, there's one from Michigan, there's one back from when Jimbo was still at Florida State, and there's a couple of pro teams in there as well. But I just happened to be watching the Notre Dame one, um, and, you know, when when they're in practice, you know, Brian uh, Kelly is the one coaching the quarterbacks. He's the one pulling the trigger with the offense. Um, understandably, I, I, I get why he wanted Tommy Reese to follow him to LSU, but, um, you know, th- this isn't a very experienced offensive coordinator. Um, right. 
And, you know, I, I think there was, uh, you know, a, a, an up and down, you know, season last year. You know, they had they lost their starter, um, you know, had some quarterback issues, um, you know, didn't set the, the, the woods on fire against ACC defenses. I think they only put up like 31 points per game. Um, maybe now that somebody other than Todd Grantham is going to be the defensive coordinator, um, that's not as big of an issue. I, I would have said if Todd was going to be the guy, we need to find an OC that can put up 50 points per game on SEC defenses. But, um, you know, I, I think to me, I mean, you know, if this is the direction Nick Saban wants to go, I mean, he's a pretty balanced guy. He does like to run the football, and I do think he's going to have a, a challenge finding, you know, because he likes to run a lot of two and even three tight end sets. Um, with his offense, and I wish him luck finding three guys in Tuscaloosa that can block their way out of a wet paper sack. You know, can we get an eighth year for Kendall Randolph, maybe? Huh. Um, but you know, th- that that to me is probably going to be. It's not going to be the quarterbacks. You know, it's not going to be the offensive line. I think he's going to struggle to find. You know, and it's not like they've got a ton of people sitting on the sidelines at offensive line anymore after all the transfer outs. Uh, but, you know, I think he is going to have to get creative with who he uses, um, you know, in his heavy personnel packages. But, I mean, I kind of like the hire. Um, you know, that he does a lot of stuff, you know, different formation-wise and stuff. And, and uh, you know, attacks D. A lot of, lot of play action off of his runs, which I like. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think Nick Saban is bringing a guy in that's, you know, had had a great college career as a quarterback. He's had a fast track, you know, kind of shooting star type, you know, emergence in the coaching ranks. Um, but, you know, if, if my math is right, he's only been an offensive coordinator for two years. He was the quarterback coach for a couple of years at Notre Dame, um, you know, prior to, uh, to that. I think, uh, you know, spent some time under former offensive coordinator Chip Long before he left. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I think it's going to be interesting with, you know, Nick Saban wanting to get more physical and, you know, get back to, you know, maybe a little bit of, of that make their ass quit mindset. Um, you know, this might be the guy to do it. Yeah. I mean, and you're close with me. It was three years as OC, three years as a QB coach, but you're right. He's only 30. He spent one year as a GA under Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. Then he spent, a year as kind of an intern or off-field guy with the with the uh, San Diego Chargers before they moved to LA. So, and then he spent six years at Notre Dame, which is his alma mater. So, still a very young coach, and I think that's where people are a little bit concerned. But all I'll say is, before we bring Thomas in to give his thoughts, is Nick Saban's always hired young coaches, and usually it's worked out really well. Um, you know, he hired Will Muschamp out of Valdosta State, hired you know Kirby Smart. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he hired Jeremy as his first hired Alabama. Nobody even knew what the hell an analyst was. And Jeremy moved his way from, you know, from there to safety's coach to DC. So he's always hired young coaches and I, I, and Pete was solid. He just wasn't elite. I mean, but he's always given young guys a shot. Bo Davis was a, was a guy that started off as an off field guy and worked his way up. So he's always had a formula for how he's done this and, You've got to be able to trust the situation. And so we'll see. And so I think it's a solid hire as well. I mean, I don't worry as much about the numbers this year at Notre Dame because when you have a quarterback injured, uh, you know, that's what's going to happen. If if Bryce had been out for an extended period of time, everybody would have had to be drinking at Alabama. 
uh, with, you know, <laughs> with Milro having to do more, uh, you know, even more, more things and be on the field a longer period of time. So, you know, again, it's just one of those things. And if you look at the year before in 21, Notre Dame was really potent offensively. They made the college football playoff in 20. Uh, so they've, they, you know, they've had some success, no question about it. And I do think the style, I, they're probably going to still do some RPO stuff as well, but I do think uh, that Reeves will run the ball. And I think the offensive line really from the second half, of the Ole Miss game forward was much better. And I thought Pete, or, and you know, or excuse me, BOB did a much better job. And I think they found the formula to help Bryce Young. And they certainly are going to need to help out these young QBs this year. I think it's going to be Simpson, but look, we can't say that for sure. I mean, Bill Rowe is going to go out there and compete. You've got two freshmen and Eli Holstein and Lonergan that need to be developed, but certainly, you know, it's probably going to be one of those two guys, and it'll be interesting to see after the season if they go after another quarterback that maybe add a backup in there just in case one of the other two transfers, but I would think the quarterback competition won't be decided until the fall, so I would think that you know, unless Milrow really thinks he doesn't have a shot, that uh, that Ty and Milrow will battle it out through fall camp, and then maybe you know you might see some movement in the quarterback sweepstakes. But who knows? We'll see. It's going to be interesting because of those transfer portal windows, and the and then and then they you know they they are, it's a situation where they're only open a certain period of time now, which I think is good. It helps these coaches manage their rosters, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless. And Thomas, I was going to bring you in and, and get your thoughts because I know you saw Notre Dame quite a bit. You saw Rees. And, uh, what are your thoughts on Alabama's move at OC? So there are multiple ways to look at this hire. There are some statistics that say Tommy Reese is not very good. There are also some statistics that say essentially that Tommy Reese is – solid to you should be excited as an Alabama fan. I think the thing that I'm most excited about, though, is that Tommy Reese is not going to keep slamming his head against a wall. He's going to do more adapting to the personnel at hand. And that was one of, go back and listen, my chief criticisms of Bill O'Brien. He was going to run what amounted to a shotgun level five and seven step drop offense no matter what it was going to happen and you were going to say thank you for it if tommy reese can adjust to personnel and what i mean is you've got a ton of speed at the wide receiver position speed that notre dame simply did not have like there is not a notre dame wide receiver that was on their team over the past few years that would have had any sort of meaningful snaps for Alabama. Like, their wide receiver position was terrible. But Michael Meyer, the, uh, excuse me, the tight end was arguably the best tight end in football. So Tommy Reese is going to force feed his best players. So, you know, what what does it look like? Are, are you going to do RPO stuff where the Alabama is going to try and get wide receivers in space. I happen to think so. I really like how he constructs his power offense, his power running offense. I think there's something to be said there. I just, I think it really comes down to, and this isn't a question that I have an answer to yet, Drew, 
does Tommy Reese have the ability to adjust his playbook and adjust his play calling style to personnel? At Notre Dame, the thing that so the thing that Notre Dame has become over the past twenty years is great offensive line play, great running game, great tight ends. Uh, outside of you know Equiminia St. Brown, maybe you know not wonderful wide receiver play, and that that's fine. But you know Alabama's got all those those freshmen now sophomore wide receivers that are really good players that you want to get the ball in their hands. The ideal case when we're talking about this. When we're talking about what we might see coming out of the uh, Alabama football team, is something akin to what Lane Kiffin did with Blake Sims and Amari Cooper. Everybody knew that Amari Cooper was Alabama's best player, particularly as the season wore on. What did Lane Kiffin do? Lane Kiffin threw the ball to Amari Cooper 20 times a game. How did Alabama lose to Ohio State? Ohio State had three guys on Amari Cooper almost all the time. So, you know, I'm not saying force feed a Kobe Prentice or a Kedrick Law or anyone else 20 times a game. I don't think there's that on Alabama's roster right now. But if you told me that Reese is going to target one or two wide receivers five, six, seven, eight times because they're the best players on Alabama's team, I'd be okay with that. So, you know, you, you can look at it one of two ways. I think... Honestly, I can't wait for A-Day, even though it's going to be vanilla as all hell. You know, let's see what it actually looks like. And, you know, I know what you're about to say, William. The offensive linemen are gaining weight to gain muscle so they're not in game trim, so it's not going to look good, and blah, blah, blah. I'm with you. I mean, we've been on this show long enough. No, no, no. Tommy Rockemeyer will be there this year, so it'll look a lot better than it has the last two years. Oh, well, you know, I was concerned. (laughs) But... But, but, you know, all joking aside, it's, it's just, you know, I want to see that. I want to see what it looks like as pieces and parts come into the offense. Because the personnel at Notre Dame and the personnel at Alabama are built to attack in very different ways. If Reese is able to make the adaptations that needs to be based on personnel, I think it's fair to be really, really excited about what this Crimson Tide team can do. If... Tommy Reese walks in and wants to run the offensive playbook with like a sprinkling of RPO. His Notre Dame offensive playbook with, you know, three RPOs a quarter. Um, well, if I start drinking now, as in today, when you're recording BAM's radio, and I do not stop drinking until the first game of the year, I might be a quarter of the way to drunk enough to deal with that nonsense. But I personally don't think that's going to happen. I think Alabama is going to be successful on offense. And, Really, the, the, the only open question to me is, can Reese bring Ty Simpson or a Jalen Milrow along as a quarterback coach? And coaching quarterbacks and being a college quarterback himself, at least he's got the chops for that, Drew. Yeah, he does. And uh, so I'm anxious to see how he do, what, what he does with the quarterback room, I would agree. Uh, you've got four on scholarship now, Ty Simpson being the guy that I'm most intrigued with. Jalen Milrow is a freakazoid athlete. Maybe they can create a role for Milrow and get him to buy in. We'll see. Um, certainly, uh, Eli Holstein's arm impressed them, but I know he needs some mechanical work, though, fundamentally to get better. Uh, Dylan Lonergan also supposedly going to play baseball, so we'll see what happens with him. So, yeah, I'm anxious to see what uh, Reese can do. I'm anxious to see what Reese can do with better players at Alabama than he had at Notre Dame because 
we 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 bitched about Alabama's receivers last year. Good Lord Almighty, it was like having uh, you know our guys were like having uh, the uh, the Minnesota Vikings crew lethal weapon three compared to what Notre Dame had last year. Notre Dame didn't have anybody outside, so I think a lot of the uh, the personnel that Alabama's going to have both returning and Brent coming in on the recruiting class. I think that was a big attraction uh, for Tommy Reese. And of course they're going to lose mayor, the tight end. You talked about him, Thomas. He was a freakazoid. I'm hearing good things about CJ Dupree, about his ability as a blocker. I know he needs some fundamental work, but that'll be, you know, up to Joe Cox, the tight ends coach to take care of that. But I think he has a lot of potential coming over from Maryland. Uh, we know, you know, they're bringing in Tresman Marshall, uh, and we didn't really mention, uh, you know, Austin Armstrong, but he's another good young coach that Nick Saban has brought in. He's not going to be the D.C., but he's going to be, I think, the inside backers coach, give them some youth and energy on the defensive side of the ball. We just need to, to see some more moves made on that side of the ball. I still think, you know, Freddie Roach has got to go. Um, we're fixing to talk about the senior bowl and, uh, you know, and, and, and William, I mean, the the reports out there via the scouts and the media that covered it on DJ Dale, who I thought had a solid senior year. And then Byron Young, though, when they're being evaluated by these NFL guys and you're reading some of the stuff you read, to me, it just shows you that the defensive line, even more so than the defensive coordinator, is, is a big issue because I thought Pete was good, not great. But to me, I think, you know, Freddie Roach is probably the biggest issue on this defensive staff right now. Yeah, I mean, look, I had I had less of a problem um, with Pete Golding as the defensive coordinator, probably up until midway, you know, 2022 season than I did as the inside linebackers coach. I mean, I thought he was a much bigger detriment. Um, is the inside linebackers coach and their, their lack of development and, and uh, you know, progress. Um, now, a lot of that changed after the Tennessee game and the LSU game and, and the all, the first half of the Auburn game. But, um, you know, I, you know, I guess, Drew, I mean, do I – I don't disagree with your take about the D-line development at all. Um but, you know, at the same time, I mean, I think we're talking about two guys. Um, you know, I, I did think that Byron Young um, was playing at a pretty high level the last three or four games that he played for Alabama um, last fall. Um, you know, Dale's kind of always been, you know, I mean, he, he had the knee injury issues and stuff. I mean, he was never a – you know, a sudden guy that was twitchy that could, that could, you know, affect the pocket from from the defensive tackle spot. I mean, he was a, you know, he was a, he was a zero technique nose guard, especially after the knee injuries, and that's probably all he was. But you know, that they just, you know, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with your take on Freddie Roach. I mean, a lot of this is his fault, but you know, they just, I mean, outside of Jaheim Otis. Um, you know, they just don't have any, you know, proven dudes, you know, that we've seen on the field, uh, you know, coming back for 2023. Um, you know, certainly I think Mathis, you, you, you got to give Freddie a little bit of credit for Mathis and developing him. Um, you know, and then of course you've got, you know, my way, Christian Barmore prior to that. I'm trying to go back to, 
you know, Quinn and Williams last year and, and kind of, you know, hopscotch forward with, you know, interior guys. And, you know, it's, it's been few and far between. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that, that Roach, you know, allowed some, you know, some personal feelings that, um, you know, kept Barmore standing over there on the sideline, um, you know, more than he was in the game. And, uh, but, you know, that, that's kind of where we are. I mean, hopefully the, the last two classes, um, you know, I certainly think they've made up for lost time and bad evaluations on the offensive side of the line of scrimmage. You know, hopefully they've been able to do it as well on the defensive side. Um, but, you know, it, it, it wouldn't shock me at all in the next 30 days, um, you know, to see Freddie Roach go to work for his best friend, uh, D'Amico Ryan's. Um, you know, out in Texas. Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be interesting to see if D'Amico does Alabama a solid and offers Freddie Roach a job. And, you know, certainly, though, I mean, I know people have been, uh, you know, uh, some have anyway uh, that uh, have heard my, this podcast or seen me on Twitter, and I've received some heat for criticizing Freddie Roach, but the proof is in the pudding. You shouldn't have lost Peter Woods. Uh, he didn't know who Jordan Hall was. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't done a good enough job developing the current players on the team. That's why Alabama was, has been getting pushed around in the trenches. I don't really credit him with Fedarian Mathis. I think uh, a lot of that was, you know, already done before he got there. Um, you know, I think if they had had a Bo Davis, I think, uh, you know, probably <laughs> when you look at it, uh, you know, I, I, Barmore would have been a first-rounder. I just don't think he's an elite defensive line coach. Uh, certainly, he did a great job as a player at Alabama, and he was a good off-field guy for Nick Saban, but some guys just aren't really good on-field coaches, at least not elite, and he's not one of them. And so Andy compounds that with being a lazy recruiter. I don't care what he was rated by, you know, a recruiting, uh, you know, like a, an on-three sports and, uh, and all, I, I don't understand those rankings anyway. They can be very misleading and uh, certainly a, a, a 24-7. I know it creates conversation, but I don't think that he's an elite recruiter by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, and, But the biggest thing is a developer and a coach. So, again, I just think him and Coleman Hutzler are probably guys uh, that need to uh, move on. And, uh, and maybe Hutzler's moved off the field. I don't know. Uh, he, did, he, did, he certainly uh, did that. Uh, you know, uh, last year with some staff moves, moving guys off the field like Swoboda, who's now moved on to another organization. So we'll see, but uh, certainly that's going to be an interesting storyline as we follow this defensive coordinator search and uh, and and uh, things of that nature. But uh, I, I will say this, William, I thought it was interesting that Kevin Steele's name came up. I mean, look, I I I think he would be an improvement over Golding. I know he's 65 years old. I think he would be a solid B hire. Would I rather see somebody else though? Yes. And I'm and I'm and I and I and again I'm not so sure that just like Grubb wasn't ended up not being the guy when it was publicized he was interviewing. I'm not sure there will be Steele either. But it's going to be interesting to kind of see who the options are out there now that it looks like Jeremy Pruitt almost assuredly won't be the guy. No, he won't be the guy at, at defensive coordinator at safeties or as an analyst. He's uh, moving on and interviewing for NFL jobs this week. But going back to, you know, this this kind of 
urban legend phenomenon, Drew, that, that you know, I was going to try and provide some, you know, some clarity to it. Um, when, when these recruiting services, you know, primarily, you know, the guy that created this niche, Shannon Terry, yeah, um, you know, who started Rivals, who started, you know, 247 and now on three, you know, what, what he created was a niche that these coaches can monetize on, you know, if you, if you're, if you're named right, the right. national recruiter of the year by one of these services, I mean, you know, that's something you can take to your head coach or your athletic director and monetize. I mean, that's something that's bonusable. Um, you know, if you get that moniker put on your head and there's, there, you know, Kirby smart, you know, had it happen to him. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt had it happen to him, you know, at two different uh, schools. I mean, you know, a journeyman, you know, position coach in Lance Thompson, um, you know, has had it happen to him twice. So, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's a, you know, is there tangible, is there something tangible that you can lay at the feet of someone that gets the national recruiter of the year? My, my take is if it's at another school, maybe outside of Georgia or Alabama, then yeah, maybe that's something you can take to your athletic director and get a fifty thousand dollar you know raise off of. But if you get that award of working for Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, I mean for Christ's sakes, I could sit here and give you fifteen different names from from both you know Kirby's time at Georgia and Nick's time at Alabama that have all you know you know won that award. And is it really because those guys were ace recruiters or is it because they had the Alabama brand and Nick Saban, you know, behind their efforts? So, you know, you know that, that is what it is. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, as far as the Kevin Steele situation, um, you know, I mean, I think the guy kind of had a, you know, a renaissance at Auburn under Gus Malzahn. I mean, he benefited from, you know, having really good front seven people, you know, Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson had a couple of first round draft picks on the back end of the defense. You know, I think he, he kind of exceeded expectations when he was the Auburn defensive coordinator um, under Gus Malzahn, you know, got a, what, a, month, a one month payday to the tune of $800,000 from his uh, 48 hours of employment at the University of Tennessee. Yeah, um, you know the guy's been able to bankroll some money, and I'm and I'm sure Mario's paying him well at Miami. But you know, like you, I, I would like to see it be somebody else. But I don't think it would be the the late term abortion that it would have been if it had it had it been Todd Grantham. I agree with that. And Thomas, your thoughts on the DC? Well, so when when we're talking about what you want out of a defensive coordinator. You're really talking about where Pete Golding was weak. And in-game adjustments, at times, he just forgot about them. And inside linebackers, we've already spoken about. So for me, when I look at the up, the upcoming Alabama defensive coordinator hire, I, you know, just, I, I'm not blown away by Kevin Steele. I'm not. I've never been a Kevin Steele guy. I had to eat lots of crow because his Auburn defenses were not just functional, but were very, very good. But, uh, you know, give me a guy who, if, 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 I'm, if you're pitching Kevin Steele, 
He's been through the battles. He's been in the system. He understands what Nick Saban's demands are. He understands the Nick Saban defense. He understands how to get a lot out of players, and that's a positive. I think overall, my thing with him, because I'm, they're, you're, I'm never not going to have questions about Kevin Steele. Like, I, I can't – I will never get by giving up a quadzillion yards when he was the Clemson defensive coordinator. That You cannot forget that. But – I look at him the same way I look at Pete Golding, because to this day, I think Pete Golding is a functional defensive coordinator if you give him elite position coaches. Freddie Roach is such a net negative on what Alabama has as a position coach that you have to have an ace defensive coordinator. Neither Pete Golding nor Kevin Steele are ace defensive coordinators. You can really have one or you can have one or the other. You can have a god awful defensive line coach, which Alabama currently has, or you can have a mediocre to frustrating defensive coordinator, which in Pete Golding Alabama had, and they might also get again in Kevin Steele. If one of those two goes from mediocre to bad to even good or elite, they can balance each other out, and that's really where I want Alabama to go. Like, in the ideal case, Freddie Roach can go screw up some NFL defensive linemen at, with, with, uh, with D'Amico Ryans, and Alabama can hire the damn nacho guy, because I think the nacho guy would be better than Freddie Roach as a position coach on this coaching staff. I mean, I'm so far down on him. All the stuff that came out of the Senior Bowl, which basically lit DJ Dale and Byron Young on fire, and by extension, Freddie Roach, was as damning a scouting report as I have ever seen about an Alabama football player coming out, you know, an Alabama starter. And don't get me wrong, has Alabama really not found, like, rock star defensive linemen over the past few cycles? Some because of Ohio State, some because of Georgia, some because of just reasons. Some because of Freddie Roach being lazy as shit. Well, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm glad you went there for me. I don't give a damn. But but, but that's my point. You know, Think, uh, let, here's my question to you, Drew. I'm going to kick it back to you. How many times since Nick Saban has been at Alabama and really started pulling his players in, or shit, the, the, the guy, the, arguably the best defensive, um, the, the, the top five defensive player on the 2011 d- defense? Quick, who is it? It's Nick Gentry, a dude that just hung around and got better and got developed. But p- here's my question. How many times have you seen a player that started on the Alabama defense for multiple years go to the Senior Bowl or the East-West Shrine game or at pro at the Alabama Pro Day or in interviews or, or whatever, where it has been said, essentially, these two dudes are just two, you know, guys that haven't been developed and are just, they're just dudes. Like, we had hopes, but they're just dudes. They're, they're nothing. How many times have you seen that, Drew? Yeah, I mean it's very true. I mean, I just think there's, I, you know, I'm I am much higher. I, I'm not down on Holden. I think you know, again, while he was here and he got here in '19, and when when those guys like Devonte were coming into their own and and Waddle and all these guys, I mean, they're just again, it's one of those things where they didn't coach themselves. I know the group struggled a little bit this year, but I think you know you had uh, some you had some bad juju from like Trayshawn Holden. He didn't do his job well enough, um, you know. And and I think you know JoJo Earl was a little bit of a disappointment. 
but I think that had more to do with, uh, you know, almost, I don't think that was Holman's fault. I just, the kid couldn't stay healthy and he, he fell behind and, and you know, and then I, it's it certainly, I, I think they tried to, you know, reach Tyler Harrell, but he got hurt and then he couldn't pick up the offense. Uh, I, again, I, I've seen much more, more positive things out of Holman than negative. So I'm not, and I think Joe Cox is a good young tight ends coach. I think those guys are solid. I just, and I think Reese will be fine. I think the focus needs to be on the defensive side of the ball and getting this fixed. And so hopefully they'll be able to do that. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to uh, still continue to tweak this defensive staff because it just has not been good enough. So we'll see. And, and, uh, and William, I thought it was interesting. Let, let, me, let me jump oh, in. Ahead, I'm Thomas. sorry. Go ahead. Go I'm going to defend Holman Wiggins. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so I am a Holman Wiggins guy, and it's not for any reason. I'll get, this is the main reason. I'll, give you, I'll say it that way. He came down to my Red Elephant Club uh, upon the death of my father this time last year. My mother needed a driver to get her to the Red Elephant Club. So through no fault of my own, I had to join the Red Elephant Club in Baldwin County. <laughs> right. But Holman Wiggins was our assigned position coach that Alabama bye week. And he, I, I was very impressed with his ability to just not, and maybe not even as a position coach, but as a person, like as a guy, like somebody that if I had kids, I want my kid to play for someone like that. I think he gets it. I think that the development of the entire wide receiver group towards the end of this past season, I mean, if we're going to kill him for the struggles, you also have to give him credit for the end as everything kind of settled in towards the end of last year. But, yeah, I'm a Holman Wiggins guy. I, this, this is not a show where we are going to tolerate Holman Wiggins um, bashing. And uh, that, that's just going to kind of be how it is. But, yeah, I, I'm, a home, I'm in his corner as far as just somebody that I hope has a lot of success and has shown signs of being able to do that, Drew. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, he flirted with Texas, but he's not going there to be the to be with Sark. I think he made the right move because Sark's going to be on the ultimate hot seat. If they don't win the Big 12 this year, he's going to be in big, big, uh, you know, trouble in my opinion. And, that's why Mar- I think Bo wants to get away from him too, but uh, we'll see. And, and but Thomas, I, and we'll bring William back in just a second. But I wanted to bring you back off something you said. I know you went there. What did you see? And and talk about what we've heard this week, out, this past week, out of the Senior Bowl with the Alabama guys. Sure. So there are several Alabama guys, Henry Toa Toa, and a couple of others whose name escapes me that weren't able to Jordan play. Battle, in the game. Thank Toa you. Toa backed out. Yeah, they, they had injuries, and that happens. Like, rock on. And I've already kind of torn up Freddie Roach because of DJ Dale and Byron Young. They were just sort of bodies. If you want to talk about the Alabama players that actually made themselves a little bit of money, I think Tyler Steen did. I've seen that on several reports. Emil Echior had a good senior bowl. So it was really the Alabama offensive linemen that, that took a big step forward for uh, for themselves. You know, I think they both made some money. I think that's very positive. I just, I think, you know, for all of that being said, you have some real yikes with the DJ Dale Byron Young situation. So some positives, some negatives, but it's hard. To, it, it's it's going to remain to be seen. Like 
And I think fans need to understand as rough as a DJ Dale or a Byron Young may have looked on the field at practice. I did not get a chance to attend practice. Work is just way too busy. That's not the only thing that players are being evaluated on. It's tape during the season. It's also interviews and whiteboarding. And if you think that doesn't matter, go back to the few times we've defended Pete Golding on this podcast where we all acknowledge as an X's and O's dude on a whiteboard with a grease marker, he is probably top five in football, period. And, you know, that that carries weight to some organizations. So it's not completely dead for DJ Dale and Byron Young. But, you know, they didn't do themselves any favors down in Mobile on the field at practice, Drew. No, they didn't. And, and William, I know you heard some things. You you were informing us before we went on uh, the air here and started recording that uh, Sting had, had a good week and uh, helped himself. He and Echo with some versatility. Uh, well, more I mean, more so than Ecuador. I mean, the, the stuff that I saw and, and read was um, actually Tyler Steen working at offensive guard yeah. um, versus left or right tackle. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that he, you know, made himself a little bit of money. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a, you know, a day one guy. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe a third, fourth, you know, third, fourth round kind of guy that, you know, is going to make a roster and, you know, we'll have a chance to hang around in the league long enough to get a pension and, um, you know, you know, be a guy that, that has a, a solid NFL career. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, he was kind of a stopgap guy for, um, you know, Alabama this season. You know, that they had done such a horrible job of evaluating and, and uh, you know, recruiting offensive tackles for – Hell, going all the way back to the 2019 class, you know, that's one of the reasons why they were forced to, you know, go get him, um, you know, out of the portal for Vanderbilt. And, you know, I, I thought he did a solid job at left tackle for Alabama last season. I mean, he wasn't a, um, you know, he wasn't a damn donkey or a stud pony or anything, but, you know, he survived. And, you know, there's a lot to be said. Um, you know, whether it's at the college football level or, or the pro football level, you know, if you can survive at the SEC level and the NFL uh, level at left tackle, um, you've probably got a football future somewhere down the road and, and, you know, can make a lot of money at it at another position. And I think that's what he was able to show and prove um, you know, this week at the senior bowl practices, you know, he's never going to be an NFL left tackle. He's never going to be an NFL right tackle. He's going to be an interior offensive line guy and, you know, could have a really long, um, you know, prosperous career as an offensive guard. And there's no shame in that. that that's still a big money position. Well, you're right. And uh, James Carpenter, correct me if I'm wrong, he spent a lot, at least half of his NFL career, going from tackle to guard and playing a long time. DJ Fluker's done it as well. And, you know, um, you know, when you, when you run into that, especially if you're, you know, you're coming out of a, you know, a college program like, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, let's just, you know, circle it there. Um, You know, if, if you can play at a, a, you know, a decently high level, you know, at left tackle or right tackle, 
But let's just say that, you know, the NFL doesn't, you know, deem you as a, a first-round draft pick at that position. But let's just say, you know, they, you know, what, what they call as a bank. Let's just say they bank your ass. And, you know, you're not going to be a left tackle or a right tackle in the NFL, but you're a guy that can play at a high level um, at, at the interior positions, you know, center guard, you know, left guard, right guard. Um, you know, you, you can play there for a long time because there's not a lot of people that can do it. And it's at a position where, you know, an NFL team's not afforded the luxury from a roster standpoint where they can carry a lot of those guys. So when you get beyond the first five offensive linemen, you know, if you're wanting to make a roster um, as a second team guy, you've got to be able to play multiple positions. And, you know, I think Tyler Steen's a guy that can play, you know, left guard, right guard, and center. And, you know, that's going to be some some value added for him, um, even though it's not going to be at, at the two positions that get the most money, left tackle, right tackle. Yeah, again, I, I still think it was a good week. And I was proud of Kamler, too. You know, he won an award. And I know he had his issues at Alabama. And, Certainly, it wasn't a perfect, you know, run there, but he salvaged his career because he wasn't going to be able to develop into an outside linebacker and play in the NFL, but he was a good enough athlete uh, to be able to, you know, evolve into a tight end. Uh, and again, you know, I, I just, I think he's going to be a guy that he'll probably be drafted fourth round or later, but all it all it all it amounts to is an opportunity, and I certainly think he's going to get one to play in the National Football League. And he was the practice player of the week, uh, voted by his peers, uh, you know, in the American linebacker and DB groups. And they voted uh, on the offensive guy they thought they had the best week, and Latou did. So obviously, he's taking advantage of some opportunities, and I'll have a chance to have a pro career certainly. And and let's be honest, I mean, there's a place for a flex tight end. Uh, who's not the greatest blocker. I mean, you know, they've, uh, you see that plenty of them in the NFL now is where the game's going. So uh, he's still got a chance to have a very solid career. So congrats to him. And, and in terms of Cam Latu, I'm sorry, Drew. I have to jump Go in ahead. again. Go ahead, I, I'm being rude. Um, Cam did get, and I this is just one game, he was assigned to the blocking unit on special teams in the Senior Bowl. And, you right. know, you're talking about career. NFL teams need special teams guys that can do three or four things. Yeah. I mean, that, that you, there, it, it's, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a special teams jack-of-all-trades guy in the NFL. There have been long careers doing that, but please go ahead. Yeah, no question. I just, we were just kind of wrapping up the Senior Bowl comments, but uh, just, I just wanted to give Latou some credit uh, and appreciate him for – you know, five years at Alabama and what he did for the Tide, developing into a very solid player. Um, and now, again, the next step is going to be what Nick Saban does to fill out this staff. Uh, what does he do for D.C.? Hopefully there's some other changes on the defensive side of the ball to give them some more juice. I mean, no doubt about it. If Pruitt's not going to be a 